Hi everybody, this is Paul, the Nonpartisan Evangelical. Thanks for joining me today. You know, one of the taglines that we use on the Nonpartisan Evangelical is this, is God really a Republican? You know, that's a question that tends to make some of my Christian friends very unhappy. Um, But when I look at how we act in sort of the white, conservative, Christian evangelical church, it seems pretty apparent to me that we think being a Christian means you are a Republican, and therefore all things Republican must be at least pleasing to God, if not a means to a Christian end. Therefore, by all actions, we're showing that we believe God is a Republican. And the people that have left our churches that say, I'm not Republican enough, which is a direct quote of one young man I talked to, shows that the outside world sees that from us. And I want to talk about that. That's been a problem for my wife and I long before there was ever anybody named Trump in the White House. It's been coming for a long time that our partisanship was starting to overtake our theology in the conservative evangelical church. And when I talk about that, and particularly when I talk about my discomfort with our fealty to President Trump, the response I get from people on even the most gentle answer is really strong and powerful. And whenever we get that angry about some discussion, then it's time for us to start to look at our hearts and say, why is this making me so angry? And my wife, Ashley, and I have been processing that anger we get back from some of our Christian friends. And we say, is it even worth it to have these discussions, even though we're certain this is kind of my purpose for the season, but is it worth it? And so we've been processing that inside our house and we thought maybe we should process this with some others. So this is our processing. Want to process with us? Let's do it. For those willing to listen, learn, and have eyes to see and ears to hear, this is the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast. I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody and I wouldn't lose any voters, okay? Challenging the mindset of right-wing Christianity and encouraging people to have their minds renewed and hearts transformed. What knucklehead, mush for brains, evangelical leaders are trying to, uh, to overthrow Trump? It's a special kind of dumb and calling yourself... A Christian. Let's have better conversations about the life modeled in the Bible so we can truly tell the world God is not mad at you. This is the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast at npepodcast.com. Well, hello there. Hello. Hello, hello. How are you? Good, how are you? Good. So this is Ashley Swearingen. I'm married to Paul. He's sitting across from me right now, and he is the nonpartisan evangelical. Yeah. You're and a nonpartisan evangelical too, aren't you? I'm not the nonpartisan evangelical. Oh. That we re- that title we reserve for you. Okay. But I am for sure in the bandwagon. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> or on the bandwagon. <laughs> Excellent. I like it. 
So we this, haven't done a podcast together for a while. I was just going to say, this is your show. And I, I find myself sitting here going like, what am I doing here? Except for <laughs> we are excited to just spend some time together recapping the week and um, thinking a little bit out loud, processing out loud. So that's what we want to do. It's been a weird time in history for everybody, I think. And so we're, we're consistently sort of publicly doing our, our out loud processing. I have to tell you, if like every meeting that I'm in, every Zoom call that I'm on, every discussion starts like this. What an insane time we're living in. Like what is going on? It is, it cannot be said enough. And even saying it feels so insufficient. The like, my God almighty. I mean, for me, I'm in my late 40s. So when I think about like the last 50 years of, of American history, I feel like so many things like have crescendoed into this very moment and every day is like a smack in the face wow this is a weird time (laughs) insane is a good word for it because i think as a as a culture and as a people we've sort of gone insane we've we've lost some grasp on normalcy and and reality and ability to have discussions and it's a it is a crazy time and everybody recognizes it it is a crazy time especially because when you when you say like we're kind of unhinged right now there are there are a lot of people who are saying good we need to be unhinged we you know the door of american history was hinged to things that were awful and systemically racist and like let's tear the door off and like start all over again and then and then you also have a lot of people who are motivated and this is much of the sort of the 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 trump right is all about like we're unhinged we need to hurry up and hinge back to what we've always known right so we're just at this incredible like sandwich moment in history and i think it takes moments when we need to be really really messy to figure things out and for things to change the, the status quo is always going to fight for the status quo where, where we live in fresno old fresno is always going to fight to maintain old fresno i say and so it takes pretty catastrophic stuff for people to begin to talk about changing and so i think we're in that moment where it's getting bad enough that we're we're talking about changing even in fresno there's a, a program called Advanced Peace Fresno that our mayor vetoed just a few months ago, and now it's coming back up again and has a lot of momentum behind it to pass because of the events of the last month, you know, last three weeks. So a whole bunch has changed in our culture. Now, status quo is like, okay, what's the smallest change we can make and get you people to be quiet? That's, you know, it's kind of what it feels like. What's the smallest change we can make and get back to normal? And some of us are saying, no, normal is not the thing to be fighting for right now. So before we get into all that, maybe we should just take a step back and say, all right, nonpartisan evangelical, this is a space that you created Mm -hmm. to just to create a a, a moment in time, you know, a, a spot on the World Wide Web where we can take a step back and reflect on what's going on in in the church what's going on in the world of politics, how do these two things intersect, and really, you know, from your background as a licensed minister, me having served in local government here in the city of Fresno, we saw so often that church and politics absolutely, like, mashed up together, mm-hmm. and it just dramatically impact our culture. So, 
for the nonpartisan evangelical, you like to like observe what's happening in culture, particularly as it relates to those two things, church and politics. And so you did that this week, which you do. <laughs> you do a lot of this. I have to say, you know, it's funny because we'll be watching TV at night or I mean, the reality is both of us are working all the time. So mm-hmm. both of us pounding away on our keyboards, me on my little nonprofit, you know, keeping up with my email and trying to keep my organization moving forward. And you just dealing with an onslaught of all the time social media craziness and you you experienced that this week yeah you know so i i also do executive coaching and so i work with leaders of businesses and and talk about how they can be their healthiest and lead their teams well and do those things and then when i'm being the the religious political commentator and i see what is really the outcome of decades now of our religion and politics being married together, which I think is very, very wrong. I'm not saying religious people shouldn't be involved in politics. I'm saying your theology can drive you to a good ideology, but when you marry the two together, bad things happen. Can I just stop on that point? Because what I have come to appreciate about what you're saying, and it can be a little hard to grasp onto, is that you're saying that matters of the heart are not always and almost hardly ever advanced at the ballot box. They're just not. Right. You know, like like society, culture, what we as individuals, there are heart issues that we take up with God that we we pursue through our expressions of faith. And there are things that are like near and dear to our hearts. Like we want it in Fresno, for example, we really want to see, you know, economic inclusion we want to see economic mobility been working hard at that there are some times when there are policies that are needed to bring that about but a lot a lot of stuff has to change because society decides that that it wants it to change there is like a heart sort of a heart and mind issue but oftentimes we see now the religious right is looking to politics thinking like really worshiping at that altar and thinking that if you could just enact the perfect law then god would be happy and you know like whatever, there would be peace on earth. Is that right. a fair sort of, I don't know, description of what, what you're talking about? I think you said it really well. And, and just all I would add is there, there's just not a moment in the Bible where Jesus says, here's a commandment. Let's go pass a law and force people to obey it. In fact, he's constantly saying, hey, the laws and rules aren't the way to do it. Let's, let's connect people with God and change their hearts. And so what Republican Christianity or conservative Christianity has become is if we could just pass the right laws, then America will be great again and we'll be back to this panacea of this Christian nation, which I'm not exactly sure when that existed, but that desire to pass laws and and so which means we have to get whatever political power we can get and do whatever it takes to get there so we can impose our laws on people is what I think has taken us off track from what is actually the command of God to love him and love your neighbor. And oh, by the way, your neighbor is your enemy. And the thing that God cares about most in loving your neighbor is taking care of those with less power, those who are marginalized, sitting with the ones who really need help. Okay, so let's let's talk about this in the specifics and not in the abstract. So, okay. Okay. So this week, so so you're you're just going about right. you know your merry little way, and you're wanting to 
you know, challenge, provoke the Christian Church of America to like maybe take a pause, maybe think about the way we're representing Jesus here on earth. Maybe this isn't exactly what he had in mind. So this is all very, very, very righteous, right? Seems like an easy discussion to have. Seems like an easy discussion to have. So you're thinking to yourself, I'm just going to put up a post that is actually a leadership lesson. And you just got a torrent of, so why don't you tell us about that? In general, I, I, I've learned, I I sort of avoid saying anything directly about the president because the the discussion just isn't profitable. You you can't have a reasonable discussion with Christian people about President Trump anymore. And so I rarely say anything just directly. And, you know, when when the president held the Bible up against St. John's Church, using the military to move citizens out of the way. Yes, I said something. You, you got to kind of show up for that I moment. Was absolutely horrified <laughs> that, that a president nuts. of the, that any president of the United States would do that. But the one that Christians say is God's great president to do that was sickening to me. So I had sickening. to say something about it. But this time, what what happened was, you know, the president in the midst of the pandemic was telling everybody Take hydroxychloroquine. Why not? What have you got to lose? Those were his exact words. What do you got to lose? Take hydroxychloroquine. And and while he was saying that, and you know, the president says a lot of things where you're like, you know, the RCA dog with the head tilt going, eh. it was one of those things of like, why is he so bent on pushing this drug? And, and he was pushing it, and the FDA said, okay, and they gave it what is called an EUA, which stands for Emergency Use Authorization. Aus- authorization. That sounds like a good government word there you for go. the A. Yep. So even though it hadn't been really tested for being used to fight COVID-19, the FDA said, okay, and probably in part because the president was so adamant about it, even though experts around him were like, hey, we're not sure this is really going to do the job. But the FDA gave it an emergency use authorization, and so people were using it. So as they're doing that, when, when the FDA gives an EUA, then they really step up the testing. Okay, what, is it, how, what are the results when we use this to fight a particular disease state? Well, at the beginning of this week, the FDA came out and said, hey, we're removing the EUA. The testing has showed that, that this really has little more than a placebo effect at helping people. And in fact, it can kill you because it really does affect your heart rate. And so they pulled it back and said the FDA does not approve hydroxychloroquine, the, the mixture that they have there to be an anecdote, an anecdote, an antidote for COVID-19. So I said, Here's, here's an opportunity to talk about leadership. I, I, I have real problems with President Trump, and, and it's not because I just don't like President Trump, which is always the accusation whenever you say anything negative about President Trump on social media. Well, you just hate Trump, or you hate America, or you hate people, you know, so you hate something. And so I wanted to say, here's a tangible leadership opportunity moment. We need to be able to trust our leaders, whether it's our leader in our church, our leader in the business we work at, our leader of the country. And part of leadership and being trusted is owning your mistakes. That's a big part of what I teach people. You're going to make mistakes and you've got to be willing to own those mistakes. So I said, here's a great opportunity. The president could own this, that he got a little bit out over his skis started telling people to take this drug and now we've tested and it shows that it's not a great use for this. There are other opportunities and other things that may be better. Well, you would have thought I said the president needs to be knocked in the side of the head because he's the biggest jerk on the planet. The comments were 
nonstop and crazy outrageous. I read it to you, right? You read. I mean, it wasn't yes. like what in I fact, said was not in incendiary. Not not only did you read it to me, I remember the moment just before you posted. You were so proud of yourself. <laughs> You're like, I finally found a way to just lift up the leadership lesson here without kicking over the beehive of you know this is all anti-Trump. And you were, I there was like this look on your face, like, okay, I'm gonna get a breakthrough here. Somebody's gonna be able to hear this message. Here right. I go. I'm gonna post. And then at the end of the day you were just like oh my gosh people are crazy they are crazy the comments begin to come back almost immediately the FDA's part of the deep state here's a link to a wacko website this will prove to you you're wrong Paul because this really nutty right-wing crazy conspiracy theory website says so that the FDA is in cahoots with Bill Gates and they're just out to get the president and it just Comment after comment after comment. And I say that. Now, some people are going to say, well, I made a reasonable comment. Yes, there were some reasonable comments in there as well to have some discussion. But it became the president wasn't wrong. I mean, absolutely, the president wasn't wrong. Sorry, my phone's ringing off. And and people began just to argue nonstop that the, the president isn't wrong. And, and so I decided to try to engage people calmly and in discussion like, so if the FDA is out to get the president, why did they give it a, an EUA to begin with? And, and use logic, you know, and logic just, it doesn't stop anybody in their tracks. They, they won't even acknowledge the logic of that and just keep going. And, and so again, it's just, it's proof that there's just something really weird in our mindset around our religious politics. Now there's, there's this idea that Trump is God's man and nothing he does is wrong. Everything he does is this brilliant, you know, workaround to get people who don't like him. He's the smartest man who ever lived, never has made a mistake, never has done anything wrong. Oh, we might say, oh, I don't really like his tweets, but never has done anything wrong. And anybody that would dare question Donald Trump ever just hates Trump and hates America and they're out to get it. And and so it's been a wrestling match this week of how do we even have legitimate discussion and maybe it's maybe it's a waste of time to try. Well, and and that has really been something that I think you have been struggling with for the last year and a half and me probably to a much lesser extent because I'm more on the periphery of of these conversations, but you know, you this week, I mean, I we had a lot of a lot of time just to kind of talking through and trying to work our way through does it does it make any sense to try to shine the light using logic reason trying to be clever you know thinking of 10 different creative ways to say kind of the same thing which is hey church you know we might want to let go of this idol that we're holding on to which is politics and and the conclusion of that like at one point during the week you're like that's it I, i'm just not gonna i'm not gonna try to you know just holler at the wind anymore it's not it's not worth it so i'm curious well it's literally six o'clock on a friday at the end of the week so where are you landing on all of this as you've thought about it this week so i go back to the bible and my first that's a, that's a solid place to, yeah, to go <laughs> my first place i go is is what would jesus do right wwjd that'll work for our, our christian friends out there and so when i look at Jesus, when he was walking around on the earth in the first century, when the, the Bible was 
being lived out that they would that would then be recorded you know jesus didn't pull any punches on the religious spirit that he saw what he saw was a religious church that had its politics and its religion conflated they the pharisees were so concerned about rome having taken over jerusalem and their so their idea was like we have to sort of politically manipulate this thing until the messiah appears and overthrows this government and and so therefore getting people to behave according to these rules that we have is the most important thing we can do so they put really restrictive rules on people they were after uh, political comfort for themselves and for their country they were after financial and economic comfort for their their church in their country and jesus came along and saw this and he said hey guys that's bad that's bad you've got to stop he never had a good word to say about the religious system ever I hope you're enjoying this conversation with Ashley and me. I want to in, invite you to be a part of the nonpartisan evangelical in kind of a, a special way that's important to us. We, we want to do this. We know this is part of what we're doing for the season. And so we're asking people to help support that. And we do that through a website called Patreon. Patreon is a creatives website that gives people the opportunity to give in to the work of the creative to help support what they do. Now we're a for-profit company, so that's not tax deductible, but what you'll get if you sign up on the nonpartisan evangelical Patreon page is just some interaction with us that we don't do for everybody else. And you'll get the satisfaction of knowing you're helping us build these resources so people have a place they can go to be affirmed that they don't have to believe a certain political way to be a Christian and have that Christian life, that faith life affirmed with this message that God is not mad at you and he doesn't expect you to be Republican. So would you go and help on our Patreon page? If you go to our website, npepodcast.com, the upper right-hand corner, there's a Patreon button. Click on that and it'll take you there. Only $5.99 a month at the lowest level. You can give a little more if you want, but help us do what we do here at the Nonpartisan Evangelical. Click on that Patreon button in the upper right-hand corner we really appreciate it. In fact, if you do it right now, I will send you an autographed copy of my novel, Joseph Comes to Town When the Religious Right Goes Religiously Wrong. Would you join us? Such a little bit of a cost, a couple of trips to Starbucks maybe, and it'll help go a long way. We would love to get 300 patrons to help us do this nonpartisan evangelical thing. So would you join and would you invite another friend to join with you? And we'll have some fun together on the nonpartisan evangelical Patreon page. Go to our website, npepodcast.com. Click on that Patreon button in the upper right-hand corner. Sign up to join our Patreon page. We'd love to meet you there on that page. Now, back to our processing with Paul and Ashley on the nonpartisan evangelical at npepodcast.com. In culture today, I have to do a lot of work like bridging different perspectives, right? And and I just think we carry over, and I think there's a lot of times when that, you know, that is for sure what's needed and is an expression of God's love for people to be able to do your best to try to find common ground, okay? So I firmly believe in that. But I feel like sometimes we 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 take that too far. We 
make that mean that nobody can be wrong about anything we just have to like find a way to you know put all the pieces of the puzzle together and so you've heard a lot like paul you you stop stop being so abrasive stop challenging the church you know like like no one's going to listen to you if if you're, you're always, divisive you're divisive and you know it's or not divisive as somebody a grammarian would say well, someone from Northwest Arkansas would say divisive. That's what, that's the way I'd say it. Born in Texas, raised in Arkansas, I'd say divisive. But you know, I've really watched you wrestle with that because I know it's not it's not your heart to be involved with anything that that doesn't, to the best of your knowledge and ability, represent God's heart for people. Like I know that I, my goodness gracious, if there's one thing I trust in this life, it is that. And I've seen you wrestle with, gosh, maybe it is it is not God's heart to be challenging the church in the way you are. But after 18 months of going back and forth on that and really wrestling, et cetera, I'm hearing you say again and again what you just said, which is Jesus never accommodated that religious political approach to people. He never did. He never said to the Pharisees like, hey, 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 let's find some common ground. He did just the opposite. And for folks who may be listening who don't have a Christian frame of reference, that's a really important point for people who are followers of Christ. Like Jesus never, ever, ever accommodated the kind of stuff that you're being, you know, what you're calling out today. Yeah. Uh, He never approached the Pharisees at all to say, hey, let's have a discussion and work this through. They, They came to him. But he just went to people who... To try to trap him yeah. into a, some kind of logic loop. And so, by the way, so Pharisees are like, you know, in my layperson's way of thinking, they were like modern day priests and and government people. Like everything was all mushed up into one. I know there were, you know, there were different bodies of government, but religion and government were completely enmeshed in Jesus' day and in his culture, right? Yeah, they, they were, they would be called the scribes and teachers. They were religious leaders. But just like today, the religion, you know, like the Jerry Falwell Juniors, the religion and politics are were very intertwined. And they had a king, King Herod, who was kind of allowed to stay in place, but he really wasn't the authority that the Roman Empire was. But all of it was kind of conflated together, and they and it was and so you're right, it was very intermeshed. And and Jesus never once said, Hey, here's what the Pharisees had right. And I think the thing is, what, I, what I'm saying is I'm not talking about any one person in any of this. I'm not talking about any one church. I'm talking about a mindset and a, we would call it a spirit, I guess, in our faith tradition that has just been given place to exist. And when the rest of the world is scratching their head saying, how can Christian people follow this guy for president? I would say it's because we've been, we've put so much hope in political victories to make some ideal happen that we think is supposed to happen, we've lost some perspective and some ability to look and say, oh, Paul wrote an interesting leadership lesson. And, and you know, you're right. Trump, he, he probably was a little bit out there on the hydroxychloroquine. We can't even say that. We have to defend the president at all costs, even if it makes us look incredibly hypocritical, even if it costs us people coming to the church because of it, which it does, church church attendance. This, this is interesting. The, you grew up Southern Baptist. The Southern Baptist Conference met this last week. They lost more members than they have in a century. In the last year, they've lost, 
They lost more members than in any single year in the last 100 years. Wow. Evangelicalism is shrinking at at an enormous rate. They may be taking from one another, but as a whole, it's shrinking. And when we shift the generations and the boomers go away and the millennials become the the prominent uh, generation, they're not going to go to evangelical churches. I'm not sure evangelicalism's going to keep going if we don't figure out a way to change this mindset. So that's a pretty big, bold, heavy statement there that we've got it. We've, I mean, we're trying to change the mind. We've got to change our minds. We have to keep our hearts sensitive to, to what God is doing, what he's, who he's called us to be, right? So you posted the, what you thought was an innocent post on Monday you plowed through a bunch of responses, kind of co- did another, you know, mini journey on whether or not this is, you know, just a, you know, kind of, I don't know, trying to boil the ocean. And then you conclude by the end of the week, you know what, I got to keep doing this. Yeah. Because who cares if people can't exactly hear me, it is the truth and I got to keep saying it. And you posted something yesterday that I thought was really cool. It's actually one of my favorite my favorite passages. I'm losing you on your mic there. Keep talking. Okay. And, and the reason why my mouth moved is because my <laughs> eyes do not work to look at this small font. So Jeremiah 17, 10, I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind. Mm-hmm. So talk a little bit about this post and what you were hoping people would hear you say from what you wrote here. Yeah, I think I think a lot of what Jesus did was he was trying to test people's hearts. So Jeremiah is an Old Testament story. The time that Jeremiah lived in was very similar to what Jesus lived in, to I believe is very similar to what we're living in today. And Jeremiah was a prophet saying, hey, some bad things are going to come. I know all your other prophets out there are telling you we're in great shape and Israel's awesome, but I'm telling you Babylon's going to come and ransack us because God's not pleased with where we are. We're not, we're not bringing justice to the fatherless. And so in that, Jeremiah says, what's happening here is God is testing our hearts. He's allowing sort of this fear factor to come in to see if we're going to decide to go where he is, or we're going to continue to fight for what Jeremiah called being rich and fat and sleek instead of wanting to take care of the fatherless. And I think we're in a similar time. What I was trying to say through quoting Jeremiah 17.10 is I think we've had COVID-19 and and we're still wrestling over, you know, even masks have become a religious argument. Like, do you have faith in God if you're wearing a mask? To which I say, okay, well, do you have faith in God if you carry a gun or if you have a gun in your house? Or to wear a seatbelt. <laughs> or wear a seatbelt or stop at a stoplight. Are any of those things a lack of faith in God or understanding culture and living in culture? But you have the COVID-19, you have the election coming up this year, you have the impeachment trial, and and now the George Floyd uh, murder by a police officer. And yes, I said murder and the Black Lives Matter discussion. And and are we going to focus on riots and call people thugs? Or are we going to hear the cry of of people's hearts to this? And, and again, I don't know if we have to say, of course, we don't want anybody's business to get burned down. But, but let's take care of that without losing the main focus that there are people saying, hey, we've been oppressed for centuries in this country and it's time you hear and change. And so I think we're in a season where we're having to have our hearts tested and decide, 
am I going to allow myself to hear something that's different than what I've believed and allow my heart to be softened, if not dinged by that, so I can be where God wants me to be in the season? Or am I going to entrench in this mindset of sort of this partisan evangelicalism that I've lived in for all this time? And for some people, it's not evangelicalism. It's just straight out right-wing ideology. But am I going to entrench in this? Or am I going to allow myself to have my mindset challenged and maybe learn something else in the process about me or about the people that God would want me to love in this season? So people ought to read that blog because it was really good. <laughs> read that post. I mean, if I could, you know, there was this one moment in the Bible where Jesus looked at this. He had this huge crowd of followers. And, and he said to them, hey, you know what? You're going to have to eat my flesh and drink my blood to be a part of what I'm doing. And so these wonderful Jewish people who eating pork is an affront for them were like, what? Cannibalism? <laughs> Cannibalism? <laughs> I'm out of here. And they left. And then Jesus turned, a bunch of people left, it says. And then Jesus turned to his inner circle guys and he says, hey, what about you guys? Are you leaving now after what you just heard me say? And they're like, I think their eyes were like really big and they were they were thinking, what in the hell are you talking about? Of course, they wouldn't say what the hell around Jesus, but what are you talking about? But then they said, you know what? We know we're in for whatever it takes to see what God wants to happen, happen. So even though we're really offended by what we just heard, we're going to keep walking with you. And then Jesus gave them some context and, and explained that this was to do, we would find out later about communion, about his death, and, and it all made sense, but without the context at the time. And so I just think God is poking us and poking us and poking us and saying, are you willing to be offended? Are you willing for me to not necessarily be on your political side, but be on the other side politically, if that gets us to where the kingdom of heaven on earth is? And that's what I think Christians ought to be leaning into right now. I think that is like the ultimate heart test mm -hmm. that, that, that you had to deal with that a lot yeah, when you were in it, office as mayor. It's just like a really useful and like practical way to have your heart tested because that sounds like a little heady and I'm not really sure like, well, what do you mean have my heart tested? I know for me, like spending so many years pursuing like a different future for, you know, this, this city that we lived in or that we live in, you know, a lot of prayer, a lot of work, a lot of just like, you know, trying to be a part of a movement of positive change in this major American city. And, you know, you have to step into the political arena sometimes and use those levers. And so, so of course I did. And there were a number of times when the agenda, I'll call it that for a second, the agenda of my community moving forward, getting better, the people in in this city being blessed in some way, being helped, being advanced, would come at the hands of someone who was my worst enemy, my, you know, my worst opponent, the person who was, you know, flaming me on social media and all that kind of stuff. And it was so easy to just like react to that and be offended and have my feelings hurt over it. And I'm not saying that that I didn't, you know, ha have that reaction. Of but, course. but but then I would kind of get to but you know what? they've got a point <laughs> you know what they're you know they may be going about it a different way but their heart is also for the people of this community and particularly those who have been marginalized so I, mean, I don't really care what package of language it comes in if the heart is to advance and to benefit the people who are here then i have to be okay with it i have to get an alignment with it 
And um, there were, you know, I just had to talk myself through that a lot. And I think that's a practical thing. Like if you're in a workplace setting and it just feels like you're having a power struggle, you know, if you can take a step back and be like, hey, I don't care if so-and-so gets to have their hands on the wheel, if in fact it gets my organization to where it needs to be. And then that to me is just like a really simple way to think about having your heart tested. You know, what do I want more? Do I want the power? Do I want to be in control? You know, or do I want the outcome of, you know, of whatever it is I feel like I'm working towards? So that's a good, that's a good constant reminder, particularly in this day and age. Right after all of this stuff started breaking out, you and I did a podcast with, with a young woman, young Hispanic woman, and she said some things that were difficult for us to hear. And some things that I think as we parse through, would be like, nah, we don't agree with that. But the question is, are, is being right more important than leaning into that conversation together and trying to figure things out together, opening a door to one another to be able to walk that through? And so what we see in the Bible is the Pharisees had a belief that the outcome God wanted. And in Jeremiah's day, you know, it's God's not going to let our enemies win because that would be against what God wants to happen. And what they found out is, is their goals and God's goals were not aligned. God's yeah. goal was that their heart be softened and he was willing to let calamity come to, to make that happen. And they were like, no way God would want that to happen. And, and so we have to be constantly as Christian people and I think as human beings, like, is my goal a good one? Am I really sure that Republicans winning every election is the only thing that gets God's plan to succeed on earth? Or does maybe he have another way he could get there? Maybe he doesn't need a law to fix the thing that I think needs to be fixed. And maybe fixing the thing isn't even his primary goal, but his goal is more me to be changed and to love people that I'm struggling to love right now. Well, I think that's a really good test to, or good exercise to go through. How do you know if you have a partisan or a political mindset? And this, like being partisan or having a political mindset does not necessarily mean that you've sworn an oath and you're an elected official or that you're active with, even with party politics. You know, you you could be someone who, yeah, maybe you vote, whatever, but but you, you've, you're not directly involved in a traditional or formal sense. But if you think to yourself, surely, 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 party A being elected, having the power and getting everything they want is the only way, is more important. Like if you can challenge yourself and say, huh, what if, what if God actually said, well, thanks, but no thanks, I'm doing things my way. If you get upset by that, and if you think to yourself, well, I'm sorry, God, but don't you know, the only way is you know, the Republican Party or whatever, if that's your reaction, and and honestly, it can just be a gut level knee jerk reaction, like, of course, this is what God wants. I know it. I'll, you know, swear my life on it. Well, what if what if he showed up in your living room and was like, no, that's absolutely not what I'm doing. Would you drop it like a hot potato and be like, okay, well, whatever you want, God, that's I want to be in alignment with you. Right. Or would you argue with him about it? And if you find in all in a moment of honesty that you would argue with him about it for just a second, then that's probably an, some evidence that you know maybe you're holding you know you're you're holding on to something a little too tight there. Ron, I, I used to hear you say this when you were in office. You're like, what if something good happens in Fresno and my opponents get credit for it? What if what if something really good for Fresno happens and it doesn't look 
the way my party believes it should look? Would I be angry about that good thing happening? And that's that's really what par- politics is on a national level is like having power is more important than something good happening because have, you know we believe having power is the means to the end of something good happening, but it becomes about power more than it becomes about the good end. And I think that's a lot of where we are as partisans and as Christians, which are kind of the same thing. And so that's why when somebody sees me doing a leadership lesson and saying, this is a great opportunity for President Trump to apologize and say, hey, I made a mistake and build trust with all of us, which would be so important at this moment. Which, by the way, Brene Brown would agree with you. Brene Brown would absolutely agree. <laughs> so I, he, I'm not sure people blow up at her quite as much as they do you. And 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 the big problem for President Trump and, and a, a friend of ours, Brian Kleinhammer, wrote a great blog about this that's on the NPE website at npepodcast.com today. He, we're doing a disservice to the president when when he can say, I can shoot somebody in the middle of Fifth Avenue and not lose any votes. That's a disservice if his own people aren't willing to hold him accountable to some of these things. It, it's not helping him be his best or better. And so I think it's just a time for us to say, this has to change. And I, by the way, I did get one convert to all of this so so i hear you've been like you know talking about this all week you got one i got one yeah yeah i had a a a man contact me through a private message on facebook and and you know i get a lot of people who are like i never comment but thank you for what you say and those things but this guy had he had he had wrestled with me a little bit on facebook and so he sent me a private message and said hey i just wrote you off as some crazy lefty liberal nutball which is kind of funny to me that people, you know, try to put that tag on me. But he said, but I've been watching and and you're starting to mess with my belief system and it's really making me uncomfortable and I need to talk. We need to talk. And and so he and I set up a Zoom and of course he was a wonderful guy and 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 he heard what I had to say. And he, he was kind of like, well, I believe this, but what do you think? And, you know, tell me what you're seeing. And so kind of what we're talking about here is the conversation we had. And so, by God, a few days later, he put a post on his Facebook page about how he was wrong. He quit watching the NFL for a season because of Colin Kaepernick taking a knee. And he was realizing in this time of Black Lives Matter that he was wrong in his heart. The anger that caused in him, he realized that wasn't the best place he's supposed to be as a Christian man posted that and the poor guy was just getting killed by his friends. <laughs> I had to send him a Oops, message and sorry. say, I'm so sorry. Welcome to my world. But he did a great job of loving the people even as they were on there and saying, hey, I just disagree. I'm just telling you that something's being changed in my heart. And so it's just a, just a sign that I think maybe I am on the right track to go after the spirit. It's going to make some of my friends mad. I, I really kind of made that deal up front. It's going to allow some people to call me names. But if there's people out there who are like, thank you for giving a voice for us and others that I call Nicodemus. There was this Pharisee Nicodemus that came and visited Jesus in the middle of the night. Which it's is, like the equivalent of a private message yeah, today. It was a yeah, private, yeah. he PM'd Jesus. Yeah. He basically was saying, Jesus, I don't want any of my friends to know I'm talking to you, but tell me more. And so when the Nicodemus has come, that, that makes it worthwhile. So I think we want to end today just, you know, just you know reflecting on just kind of honestly kind of how we've been experiencing all this stuff this week and 
you know, you and I sit here across this table and have these conversations. We could go on for hours. We yeah. quite literally do. Like this is this is a lot of just like the stuff we talk about around our household and our kids. <laughs> you know, this is the type of stuff we're engaging in all the time. So it's just really normal for us. But I don't I don't like I think if you listen to this uh, and you weren't involved in the 360 way that we're always processing this kind of content, it might feel discouraging. And so I want to end on an encouraging note because what I concluded this week was, all right, we are all feeling very unhinged. Society in our country, it's, it is unhinged right now. And that is a very good thing. That creates an incredible opportunity and environment for God to really move hearts, for people to work in alignment with him, for positive structural change that manifests in better policy, that manifests in more equitable communities, that manifests in corrections and repairs of things that have been needed for you know hundreds of years in our communities. So I think what I found myself just kind of I don't know, maybe comforting myself a little bit is like, all right, you know, you've said for a long time that you wanted things to completely change. Mm -hmm. You you know, you weren't comfortable with the status quo. Here it is. You, You know, I don't really feel like I'm tethered to anything right now. I feel like I'm just bobbing around in the water. But but maybe that's an okay thing. Because I'm very confident that God is orchestrating our our circuit the circumstances of our time as I believe he has from the beginning of time. Um, he's orchestrating things to create to create just a better and a different future. And so it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth going through this tumult. And of course, I pray every day God's mercy on all of us, you know, people who are struggling, people who are, are you know, vul- vulnerable populations, immunocompromised, who are scared about COVID, people who are sick today, people who are bearing the brunt of hundreds of years of system- systemic racism. Like, I pray God's mercy on us that he will move us through this season quickly, but that we'll land where we've, you know, where we've said for a long time we wanted to be. So I think we just have to keep our eye on that prize. Yeah, I I know it's a tough discussion. And for some people, to they feel like you're asking me to change my core beliefs. And, and, and for some, that not only means like going through the discomfort of changing some of my belief system, but leaving my tribe. Like I lose my community if I do that. And that's a little scary. What I'm really inviting people into is a journey. And I did a blog. I'd love people to, to check on my site because I went to a protest this week and I processed that through a blog and the last line in the blog is ultimately I went to the protest because I think this is a season where we're uncomfortable and I want to stay uncomfortable and I think we all should be uncomfortable in this moment because in that discomfort is where we might may find some new truth and so I'm inviting people not to overturn everything they've believed forever and have to lose their community or whatever else those are scary things but just come on a journey and start to think what if I don't know everything. Yep. One of my um, favorite pastors, or a couple, I should say, are Phil and Reese Sky, and mm-hmm. they pastor a church in Fresno, California called On Ramps Church. And I've heard Phil and Reese both say over and over, you know, if it's from God, we want it. And I really think that's what you're saying just now, is you're not saying that people's core beliefs are are completely being shaken or like they need to walk away from fundamental truths 
But if you can just open your your heart and your mind to say like, hey, look, I don't, you know, I don't know everything. I don't know what all is going on. What there may be things that are that seem really uncomfortable that are totally God's hand right now. And don't call it bad or evil when you don't know. And so maybe just say to yourself, if it, if it's if it's from God, I want it in my life and I want to say yes to it. That one little step could be, let's just try it for a week. You know, yeah. things I'm uncomfortable with. If it's from God, I want it. Maybe and I it's don't your want to push eat away my flesh, it. drink my blood moment. It could be. It could be a nice serving of flesh. <laughs> <laughs> Where That's we gross. decide if we're going to keep going or, or not keep going. So if you're uncomfortable right now, stay uncomfortable because you may really discover something amazing in that discomfort. So I think that sums up our week. That's, that's you know, our week. a lot of stuff. Who knows what's going to happen next week? We'll talk about it again next week. We want to make sure we're touching in with each other and with people who are subscribers to the Patreon side and who may listen to this on the nonpartisan evangelical page. We just want to stay connected every week as we journey through these insane and I believe God-ordained times of change. So check out the content on the website and we'll be back be back next week yeah thanks for letting me process thanks for letting me process